Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to the BritBlitz.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me writer-director John McPhail and leading man Tyler Collins on the podcast to talk about their film. Uh, John, do you want to introduce your film? Yeah, um, the film's called Where Do We Go From Here? It's a a romantic comedy coming-of-age film um, about a boy who's trapped in an old folks' home. (laughs) Okay, and you're you're writer-director of that, and... um, so do you want to just, just give us, just to give us some sense of the process of making this movie, because I think it's because Britflix, we're, 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 we're always learning that everybody that gets a film made has actually won a prize anyway, you know, to get that far. Um, so when, when you started the process of trying to, trying to make this movie, where, how long ago was that from the point of view, when you, the inception of the idea? The inception of the idea came, um, it was actually, um, we, we, we done a, um, four, four short films. Okay. From the four shorts, we were always sort of progressing forward to, to make a feature film. You know, mm-hmm. we start, start with the short films, make the calling cards and, um, you know, take it from, take it from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, when we were, I went away and wrote a short, wrote a feature and it just wasn't right for our first film. Um, and while we were doing, um, we were finishing off the tracks for one of our shorts. Yeah. Uh, Tyler had written this little piece of music, um, and it just sort of resonated really, really perfectly with me. Um, and all these images they come. My, my grandfather just away, um, and uh, uh, he'd left me some money, and it was because of him that I was able to make the short films. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't have any special like relationship with my grandfather that like anybody else hadn't had. Um, you know, it was just a normal relationship. Uh, it was just, it was just really quite a, um, a poignant moment. That it was just a, a, a turning point in my life. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I was missing him at the time as well. And it was right. just kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. I always wanted to tell a story about, um, about people and about, um, and uh, let me start again. Sorry. sorry. I, I, I one of the things I wanted to talk about, one of the stories I wanted to tell was, you know, it was just like how the unconditional love you can get from like your grandparents, which is, um, it's that relationship with your grandparents, which is, they're kind of really easy on you. 
they're a lot more easier on you than your actual parents are um, because 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 of all the mistakes that they know you're going to make in life, you know. Yeah. Uh, and regardless of what mistakes you make, and you know, all the you know the, the silly things that happen in life, you know, your parents are always going to be really hard on you. Whereas your grandparents have sort of, you know, they've 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 lived those mistakes. They've then lived them with you know your parents, and now when it's coming to you, they're just like, ah, do what you want. You know, mm. I'm going to regardless. And it was just that kind of special kind of relationship, that kind of story I wanted to tell. Um, so, was, was, that, just, was, it, was it related? In it was was none of this related to any of the short films you'd made? Then you, the short films were no. all very separate from this film. No, the, the short films that we'd made were um, we made two romantic comedies that done really well. Yeah. Um, my first short, short film, Notes, has done exceptionally well. It's still getting accepted to festivals after it's, it's now three years old, and it's, as I say, Brilliant. still getting to festivals and still picking up awards. Well, um, thank you very much. Um, and our um, Virgin Media short, which won both Audience Choice Awards, was a, a little romantic comedy as well. Mm-hmm. So we knew that those themes were working. You know, you know, I'm not the most romantic person in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, fiance will tell you that herself. Um, <laughs> It's very revealing of you. <laughs> oh, genuinely. She was raging when she found out I'd made that my first romantic comedy. She was like, you made a romantic comedy. She was <laughs> she was really, really shocked. Um, Brilliant. You're the most unromantic person I know. Um, and that's why she loves you. <laughs> she does. That's why she loves me, because I surprise her. Um, so so from, from there, we like we knew that we wanted to tell a romantic you know, comedy, um, and with these kind of themes about, you know, your grandparents. And when I, when I sat down to write the script, you know, there was a, a couple of months of blocking and trying to get the story right and finding the characters and, um, and finding, you know, um, as I say, that, that, that story, that's so just that we wanted to tell something that was fun. We want, we didn't want to do anything do or, or depressing, the usual Scottish kind of stuff. Yeah. We just wanted to tell a nice story. For our first film, we wanted just something the audiences would enjoy. Um, and, you know, we hope that that's what, that's what we're doing. What What would you say was your kind of biggest challenge in, in terms of the story, in, in terms of storytelling? What What, what were the... Because uh, I can imagine trying to get that balance between the sort of the context you're setting it in with the, with the care home and the sort of love between a, a, gran, a grandfather and a grandchild, plus obviously trying to develop a love story amidst all that. Um, what what were the kind of the hardest challenges to resolve in terms of the storytelling on that front? Well, the opening itself was was always going to be a bit of a challenge for us because of the way we wanted to tell it. Mm-hmm. The pacing of the film is not... Well, the, the opening anyway, the, we wanted to set the pacing right, which was mm-hmm. we wanted to you know, take, take our time with a story. We wanted to take it. We didn't want it to be really quick and fast. And um, but at the same time, we had to go through a whole period of the that, of the of our life and growing up. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we always wanted to do was, you know, because he's going to be a bit of a weird character. Yeah, we wanted people to root for him regardless. So one of the things we thought about was, you know, it was was this opening and how we could, you know, get people to. You know, as I say, root for them. And one of the things was was taking was showing them that journey, um, and not and not having to throw in loads of dialogue. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. his mother had passed. You know, his mother passed away in childbirth, and it was just him and his grandfather. And with just trying to just get all those things just 
without trying to be explain it all and sort of letting the audience sort of see see this journey from for themselves. I think that was going to be one of the hardest parts for us um, was just getting that opening correct and right, um, so that it kept the pace. Uh, it, it showed the pace of what the film was going to be. Mm. Um, which was just a little bit slower than you know your usual Avengers or Captain America. Well, I think, I'm going to say I think, I think the problem is is is, is, is the the, um, the development process out of Hollywood is is telling us we have to sort of we have to have our opening image inciting an inciting incident and break into Act One by about the third minute these days. You know this this well, notion that that you can kind of get used to a character and see their world seems almost like avant garde these days. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, people, well, you know, that that's one thing that we wanted to do is make sure we take our time because we don't feel that a lot of people take their time these days, mm-hmm. um, you know, telling a story. And that's, for us, for our first film, that's all we had. That's what we wanted to do. They, they, to, to achieve anything was, it was our, sorry, what we wanted to do was just, as I say, tell a nice story and mm-hmm. be able to tell a nice story um, and show that we can tell a nice story in a, in a nice way. Um, and and that was something that we continually wanted to you know do through the whole process was always you know just make sure that we're telling this story um, and not you know skimping over things or you know you know trying to just breeze over things you know too quickly or too easily. But you but you have got you've got there is sort of competing elements, isn't there, in the story? Because you've got you've obviously got the um, the romantic element and the the the, the grand. The, the the lead character himself, haven't you, and his and his own story as well as the romance side. How, how do you balance those two things? Because obviously he's he's centre of like the the comedy aspect, isn't he? I suppose for one of a better. Yeah, he's his characters. Um, she's she's not supposed to be attracted to him. She's looking at him, say, you know, you have that sort of that that they have that first moment where she is attracted to him, but the when she finds out that he's you know. Just a weird guy that lives and hangs about with all these old people. It kind of, it kind of sort of, she kind of gets upset with herself for mm. sort of finding herself attracted to this guy mm. uh, who lives and works and hangs around with all these old people and dresses like an old person as well. Mm. Uh, that was one of the things we always wanted to make sure as well. Was like you know he's been raised by his grandfather. You know he, you know his his jeans are always a bit shorter than they should be and. Um, you know, he wears not nice, cool cardigans, but terrible grand, you know, grandparents kind of cardigans and kind of. It was just weird things like that that um, we wanted to create that conflict with for her, um, because I'm sure we've all sort of, you know, well, found ourselves in a moment where you go, "Oh my God, why am I attracted to this person?" Or you know, what is it? <laughs> this person I actually like, but you just find yourself, you know, compelled to them or you know. You know, attracted to them, or um, so. So yeah, it was it, it, to get that balance right. Was just always making sure that he was just a, that much of a weirdo that you really wouldn't want to fancy him. But because he's quite a, a handsome looking boy, um, there's that side of it. And what would you just just to give us a sense of time then, from that point where you start developing this feature idea mm-hmm. to the point where you're preparing to get ready for the shoot? What's the period of time that passes there for you? As a filmmaker, we started writing it in the August. That was when the, we had the, the 
that's when I had the idea. I'd come back from a festival in uh, New York and met yeah. with Tyler that morning and said, "Like this is the idea I've got. Yeah. This, this is the this is what I want to make." Um, the you know I, I talked them through the idea. I talked them about the characters because the characters were there, mm. uh, and you know what I would do is that there's this library I go to, to write my films. It's about an hour drive from my house, okay. but it's the worst library in the world. The book selection is terrible. The clientele aren't very desirable. Um, and there's no Wi-Fi. Um, so there's nothing else for me to do but write. You know, I, I don't have anything else to do there. So it's, it's perfect. It's one of those places where you can just go and, you know, lose time. Um, so I would get down there about uh, three or four times a week. And I'd, I, <clears throat> as I said, for about... Two months beforehand, I'd sat with like whiteboards and bits of paper and just trying to find the structure of the story and how it would go and, you know, what scenes. Well, what, are, you, are, you, are you there for somebody that, that likes to outline your screenplays before you sort of commit to, to the writing scene for scene, as it were? 100%. Um, one, for me, I, I really believe in that blocking sort of, you know, aspect of it mm. because of when I... What's great is when you've, you've got... That structure there, I know how we get to A to B. It's just that kind of, it's filling in the gaps in between it, which is actually the fun part for me. You know, that's the part I really, really enjoy, um, is, is the scene between the scenes, if you know what I mean. There's a, it's, you know, you find a, a moment in those scenes and it's, it's where kind of like you, I'm doing that finger thing, you know, where it's like the magic happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, because it really is, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, I never thought about that, or I, I never thought about that moment, or that, you know, that never came out, you know, with that, that blocking process. Um, and some, some of the really, really, you know, you know, key scenes or nice scenes just came from, um, you know, the scenes between the scenes, if that makes any sense. No, no, totally, totally, totally. Um, and does, do, do, you, uh, do you do readings of your work as it's developing to sort of get to the bottom of character, or do you, wait, wait, do you save that for when you're in the run-up to shoot? What I do is, um, what, I, what I've done was I, I, I wrote the first, the first draft, yeah. and then I, 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 I put it away. Um, I've always got somebody on the other end of the phone. So Tyler, who is you know, m- you know, my lead actor, he's also, he's also my best friend. Okay. Um, so one of the things that's great is I can just pick up the phone and I, this is for any writer and if anybody that's, you know, that's, this is I think what I think works for me is sometimes I don't have to have someone there to, you know, to, have, to tell me ideas or, you know, to talk out ideas. Sometimes I just need to talk it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mull things over in your head for so long that you get kind of lost and sometimes I would just need to go leave the library, pick up the phone and phone Tyler and say, this is where I'm at, and then talk it out. And he can say, you know, I like that, or have you thought about this, or, you know, about changing this. But the, the, the benefit from it is, is just talking, you know, speaking it out loud, because um, that's when it kind of becomes real. You know, yeah, no, it's, wh- it's an interesting aspect that, isn't it? Because uh, you'd think it'd be, it'd be easy if you've got it mulling around in your head just to write it out, but sometimes there is a reticence. I don't know what, I don't know what you call it. But there's like a reticence to put it on the page because you're not sure, and obviously putting it on the page seems to signal something to the affirmative, doesn't it? One hundred percent. And that idea of going, does this sound too mad to you? Is it blah blah <laughs> blah da 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 da. You know, um, if 
if you had a race between two two old pensioners in a in a wheelchair, would that seem would that seem right to you? Would that seem you know? And then suddenly you kind of the other person goes, "No, no, that'd be really funny." And you go, "Yeah, it would, wouldn't it?" What I like, totally does does does. There's times where, as you say, you're, you're sitting there and you can just be, you know, continually going over the same thing or you're going, I don't know how you get out of this scene or I don't know where I'm going with this or how do I get to here? And all you have to do is sort of just, as I say, speak out loud, you know, talk out, this is where I'm at, this is where they're going and this is where I need to get to and blah, 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 blah. Oh, but then, of course, they could go here, this could happen or, you know, this person could say that or something along these lines. Um but, you know, what I'll do is, once that first draft is sort of there, I'll try and go and, you know, ignore it for about two weeks, mm. three weeks, um, and then I'll come back to the second draft and be my, my worst critic, um, you know, going through it all. I try not to worry about dialogue, you know, um, too much. Okay. Because it's something that I think the actors really bring to the table. Um, you know, there's there's nothing better than when you get a cast in and get a feel for a character, mm. and you can say, yeah, I'm always very open when when it does come to that shooting stage to be saying, you know, if that if you're tripping up over that, you know, just just change it up, you know, just change it up. Um, unless it's something, you know, I need you to say this because I need to bring that back later on. Of course, but, yeah. But for for the most of things, it's just trying to get, you know, it's getting those characters right. Um, and if I've got a feel for them and I can get get that on the page, then you know I know actors are going to be able to get a feel for it and just being able to sit and talk out the characters and they can find that dialogue and or that way of saying things or that way of saying that phrase. Um, and so so when I, when I get to that second draft stage, I'll just sort of you know cross things out that I don't like or scenes that are really you know don't work or you know it needs to be stronger in certain areas. And then when I get to when I get that second draft finished, I'll give it out to about five or six people. Yeah. And it's five or six people I really trust. It's five or six people who who they don't have to be writers. They don't have to be um, you know directors. You know producers. They could just be an actor. Or they could just be somebody that's you know that that's, that works in film or that doesn't work in film. They can say to me, uh, you know, I don't understand that. Mm. This doesn't work. Oh, this doesn't make sense. And now these people as well, um, they don't. They won't, they're not going to blow smoke up marks. They're not going to tell me. <laughs> it's an amazing, John. This is the best thing since sliced bread because I don't know what I want to hear. You know, no, I want, at all, no. so I want to hear. You know, what am I doing wrong? Where am I going wrong? And people aren't going to tell me. You know, you're going wrong here because because they like because it's really good and they want to see me fail. You know, they're telling me it's bad because, or they tell me they don't like it because it doesn't work, um, or it just doesn't make any sense. And maybe I need to make that more clear, or maybe I, was, I need to take it out. I was going to say, yeah, make it something not making sense is not a criticism. It's, it's it can be fixed, can't it? That's the point. For you know, for anybody listening who is trying to develop screenplays themselves, is to get the feedback. This doesn't make sense. Might just mean you need to understand what your intent was. Tell the person criticising what your intent was, and they go, "Well, that's not happening." Then you've got an easy thing to solve them because if that if it's the intent you're not getting across, then you go away and make sure it's clearer. And even if that means at first, I guess writing it bang on the nose, what your intent is, and then trying to be more subtle moving forward, I suppose. There's some sometimes sometimes you get really close to a scene. Now, 
there's something that happens in, you know, unintentionally with people. Mm. It's, you write, sometimes ideas come from scenes. Sometimes ideas, you know, you know, ideas from films, you know, develop from a, a, a scene that you've come up with in your head or a moment you come up with your head and you kind of attach yourself to it. Mm. And then once you get to that scripting stage, people go, that scene doesn't make any sense. And the worst thing you can do is go, but no, that's, it's, it, that, that's the, you know, the part, that's, that's the, the part that I need that scene. That's when, you know, me and my granddad went to that ice cream shop and had that amazing ice cream once. And it's like, well, that, nobody needs to know that, John. But <laughs> people become so, you know, you know, attached to certain areas. And it, sometimes it's just a case of just, you know, um, you know, take it out, it doesn't work. You know, and, I, and that's kind of things that I'm always worried about doing is becoming too attached to scenes or becoming too attached to characters or moments that just don't make any sense because, you know, it's personally me. And that's, again, one that's one good thing about being able to get out to people and people telling you that doesn't work or this does work. I mean, I, I, I had a really sort of weird... Uh, the very first short film I made, it was... It went out to get a rough cut made and it came back. And I watched it and I thought, that was brilliant. Not, not in the sense of it was perfect, but that worked really mm. well. And then I started to think, what was missing? And there was three pages of dialogue that had been accidentally edited out in the rough cut because they just missed the, the, the clips in the edit. And I rung up to tell them that that had happened and they were really apologetic. And I was like, no, 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 you've just solved us a load of problems. <laughs> because it, I would, I'd, have been, I'd have been arguing why that needed to stay in. And in fact, it was never needed. And I think if you can identify that kind of thing in the script stage, you're going to save yourself production time as well. I mean, that's the important part of what's needed and what's not needed, isn't it, in this, when you're going through the scripting? 100%. But at the same time, um, if, the, if it gets to, like, a, a lock stage, you know, on a script, and I'm still still not worrying about a scene, or if a scene doesn't, for me, it just doesn't... If, it, if it's still part of the script, it's still, sometimes it's still good to shoot it. Hmm. And when you get into that, that edit stage and you go... No, I really don't need it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really bolster or doesn't really help tell anything else. Hmm. Then I can take it out and it's, but at least it's there. You know, the option's there if, for example, I'm missing something else and this is just something that's going to help show it off a little bit more. Okay, uh, that was a nice segue there. So when you get, when you get to that sort of locked script stage mm -hmm. and you're going through the, you're sat down with your producer and suddenly, the idea of resources being finite come into the equation. Um, what on the page to you seemed the most insurmountable, and, and how did you get around achieving it with your with the the idea of the limited budget and limited resources? I mean, one of the things was making sure. I mean, I don't know if you know, but we shot this during the Commonwealth Games as well. No, I didn't know. <laughs> so we had to make sure, like, um, that everything. I, my, my first AD, Stuart Cadenhead, was amazing. Like, um, it's one of the things is, you know, I, I, if I didn't have him, I wouldn't have made this film. Um, he was, 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 you know, instrumental, uh, in, uh, in that part of the process, which was needing someone to tell me, you know, this is, you know, you don't, you need a whole day to shoot this. So for example, there's a scene, um, the scene at the end in the car park, right. uh, where, um, you know, where she busts out of the the um, the bus. Now we don't like, for example, I'd scheduled half a day to shoot that, mm -hmm. um, and Stuart comes to me and he says, "John, um, it's going to take us a full day just to just to do that." And I'm like, "No, no, but I, I, you know, we 
no, we can, no, we, we have to do this in half a day because I need to, you know, make sure that we get this, this half done, you know, at this part of this, you know, because traveling to this area is going to be, you know, take us, you know, hours and, you know, set up time and getting everybody together. But he was like, no, look, John, I'll worry about that. Um, you know, you know, don't you worry about that kind of aspect of things and that side of things. Um, so it was, it was easy for me in that side of things where I could just let go of, you know, my worries and my, my problems about how, how, how I'm going to shoot it. Not how I'm going to shoot it, but how it's going to get all in the can and make okay. it time. Because, you know, we're turning around and going, right, we've only got, a, you know, a, a, quite a small budget, you know, and we've got people coming out for days and we've got, you know, grips and we have to hire police vehicles and we have to hire the police themselves to come out for certain scenes. You know, it starts to all amount up. Of course and it does, yeah, yeah. And it's partly is because I'm, I was also one of the producers, you know, my finance heads on going, no, it's going to cost us a fortune. But, you know, at the same time, I do need to just let go and let these guys who are, you know, who know, who know their job and know what to do and, you know, know the, the constraints you're under and, you know, the, the financial constraints you're under as well, you know, they're, they're not there to harm me. They're not there to harm the project. They're, course, again, yeah. they're there to bolster it and help it. Um, and getting around things where you're going, oh, how are we going to, you know, do this? It was a team effort. It was, you know, it was all getting our heads around the table and going, right, what do we do here? And we were, uh, we were on the button all the time with, any problem. When things arise, we would always just sit around and talk about them. You know, it wasn't as if I spearheaded this and, you know, made all the decisions. It was a, a, a like an, like an open platform for us all to be like, we, what about this and what about that? And how could we, you know, how can we get around this? You know, we need to be in this building. You know, where are we going to find that care home? That was one of the things that we were always worrying about, um, was, you know, we needed to get in somewhere that looked like a care home for about seven days. And you right. get home and the right mind's going to let you hang about for seven days, you know, with <laughs> all the residents about. Of course, uh, yeah. And I, I was going around old care homes for, for ages and it was it was mental. I, I'm from Coat Bridge and I went to a film festival in Coat Bridge and usually when you hear, you know, film festivals in Coat Bridge, you go, really? Um, and we turned up and... Um, uh, so I uh, forgot you're not from you're from, from Scotland. Uh, Cobridge is like a little mining town. Um, oh, well, the listeners are not, so you, you, you're right to explain it. Go on. Um, um, <laughs> it's, it's well known for like the, the swimming baths, the tank okay. capsule. Okay. It's got like a couple of flumes. Um, that's like the, that's like the major talking point in uh, Cobridge. When everybody mentions Cobridge, oh, the tank capsule. Um, uh, and we went to this uh, this festival. Um, and we were sitting, and I remember thinking, God, this is like an old folks' home. The, the guy had invited his mum, and uh, the guy that ran the festival invited his mum and all our friends, and they were all in their 60s. Um, so there was loads and loads of old women kicking about. And when, as I said, I was running about all these different care homes, and then I went, no, that festival, where was that? You know, what was that building? It was the uh, it was the Conforti Institute, which was like a hotel kind of thing. Um, and... They let us like you know block book it out and be able to use it from there, um, and that saved us a fortune, I think. Um, so it was like we things like that, you know, we, which we'd accidentally you know stumbled across that you know really helped. Happy accidents, yay! No, no, happy accidents are always good. The story I've always reminded of is um, is is Kurosawa's um, 
Seven Samurai, and he he, he was asked in an interview, you know, to describe why he picked that particular shot of all of them coming towards the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a beautifully constructed shot, and he said, "There's an airport on the left and a car factory on the right, and I need to get them out of the shot." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so suddenly, suddenly, the great art is 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 down to the constraint, not not the uh, not just the eye of the director. You know, um, and I think that's. I think, and, and obviously that take, for the viewing for the viewing part of it, it takes a bit of the magic out. But I think once you start making films, you can kind of appreciate, like you like you laugh just there. You can appreciate it right away, can't you? That oh. you know the camera for a filmmaker lies like mad, doesn't it? Oh, one hundred percent. There's um, there's, there's there's scenes in there which you know, like I've showed my parents and stuff, and you know, you know, just just small, you know, small moments that people we sort of you know help me. To sort of see if I'm on the right track, and people are like, oh, this, you know, this works really well, and that works really well, and all I can see is all the imperfections. I can't see the, you know, the, the story. Sometimes, sometimes all I can focus on is, oh God, remember that point and that, you know, there was somebody off camera here, and there was somebody doing this here, somebody and that is happening. Somebody hiding behind a couch, you know. There's, you know, you see all these wee things um, instead of the the scene sometimes in the story and. Um, that's that's a lot of time when people just come in to sort of you know help you to sort of say no this is looking this is looking good this is working or you know this isn't working um, no I can see that guy behind the couch or <laughs> so so from from uh, now Tyler Tyler who's if anybody listening that's the kind of second voice you can hear in the background we're going to speak to him very soon um, but Tyler obviously being your friend would mm-hmm. seem like. Um, would seem an easy person to cast, but obviously you've got a lot of different people, and not obviously given the subject, people not of your generation. So, how did you go about casting this movie? Well, f- first of all, it's just just to say, um, you know, in case anybody's listening, like you know, any actors going, oh, I need to be friend directors. Um, <laughs> go on, like, sorry. I need a friend of director so I can get cast. Tyler was. Um, I said earlier on, like, I wrote a feature that just wasn't right for my first film. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, with all the shorts, Tyler was my leading man in all my shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how we became friends, was because we were we were quite good mates before Notes, uh, the first short, and then when uh, after that we just got really, really close, and it, you know we started to work on all these different little films together. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote this first feature, it was... The two, the, the the central characters were, were were elderly characters, but I always felt that I had to work from my strongest foot, and I always felt Tyler was my strongest foot. We went to the the Virgin Media shops, and there was like a queue of girls, you know, just one, just waiting to talk to him. Like, like genuinely, there were a couple of the, the one of the girls from the office was saying, "Oh, is Tyler coming tonight?" You know, or oh, we just <laughs> love this film. You know, it's things like that where you're going, yeah, I, I you know. I, I don't. I, I don't want to. You know. You know. Not have. You know. Those little things. Um, Can I say for the purposes of the podcast, is he blushing now? Oh, he's he's he's, he's one of the most humble people we ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's absolutely raging right now. Um, but it was it was. So when when I came back to do this, I always wanted to make sure that, like I was writing something. You know that that we would all be able to work from. That was good. You know, as I say, our strongest foot. And for me, I think Tyler is. You know. You know, instrument has been instrumental in how we've got to where we are. Um, so, but, so that kind of that that process, you know, I based the whole film around Tim Stewart. Genuinely, okay. it was all Tyler. Um, <laughs> but you know, 
once it came into the for the rest of it, I, I, when I was casting for the the leading lady, you know, I, I'd worked with some really really awesome um, actresses, you know, over the, the the couple of years making the shorts or the, the year making the shorts, um, and you know, I brought them all in for back in for casting for this, mm. uh, and I'd, I'd mentioned. Um, uh, sorry, I hadn't mentioned. That, I, I, in fact, when I came back from when I was in New York, uh, I met this this actress um, at a festival. Uh, I, so it was sort of like afterwards. It was like a sort of networking event, you know, networking event, and we'd met for twenty minutes. We chatted, um, exchanged our Facebook details, um, and it was an afterthought. I was sitting there, and I thought, I'm going to have a wee look at this this girl showreel, um, you know, for. Um, for the casting for the film, and I fell in love with her. She was brilliant. Um, you know, uh, her name's Lucy Jane Quinlan. She's from from Essex, um, and oh, she was just she was just a girl next door that I wanted. Um, so I'd phoned her up and asked her if you know she'd be up for casting, and her pal drove her all the way up to Essex, and they come up wow. and stayed for a couple of days, and we done the casting, and myself, Tyler, and both my producers were just sort of bowled over by her. You know, um, our audition was amazing. It was everything that I wanted. Um, so all these other girls I'd worked with were just completely bombed out. And it was like, no, I want this one. This, she's she's the one I want. <laughs> um, uh, and of course, you know, because she was because then I was in casting an English actress in there. I thought oh, I'm going to put a couple of jokes in, a couple of Scotland, Scotland, England jokes, and I'll bolster some things. I'll be able to have a laugh with it. Mm. Um, uh, this was before we, we knew about the independence thing as well, so that was a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but we, as I said, we all were, when when she came up for the audition, you know, she was everything I wanted, everything I wanted. So straight away it was, you know, we, we cast her right away. So her and Tyler were cast pretty early on, um, and then when it came to we had, we had a couple, we had some real problems with some of the casting, uh, and what I mean by that is. There was some people that I was going to cast to begin with. Yeah. Um, London-based uh, Scottish Scottish actresses, and we had a my we had a lot of problems with our agents. We had a lot of problems with um, with deals and rates. I mean, we, we always we always sort of set out and say that we're 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 paying equity minimum. You know, the, you know, we'll pay you your rate, but it's at the the lowest lowest rate we can possibly afford. And some people weren't happy with that, and and it all fell apart. And the thing was, was I was in I was in casting for the Miss Thompson role, um, and Alison Peebles we had come in who I absolutely adore. Alison Peebles in, is really well known in Scotland. There's there's two different kind of reactions you get with that, which is you know, oh who's Alison Peebles, and then there's oh my god you've cast Alison Peebles. She's massive in theatre here, massive, and mm. um, she's so so well known. Uh, in fact, she was the first director I ever worked with. Well, I was a an extra in a kids' TV program called Stacey Stone, and she was the director. So um, you know, it was it was quite funny then to have her in this casting for this Miss Thompson role. Um, and when she was there, I'd asked her, you know, how would you feel about you know reading for 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 Joan? Um, and she said she you know she loved the character, and she you know you know really really you know you know attacked like. You know, it was the character that she she liked the most, um, and uh, I'd actually come out of the casting session, and my producer Lauren was on the phone, and she was you know quite upset because um, this agent had pulled this uh, this actor, 
you know, and said that there was, you know, no way that they were going to do the film. And, you know, I was like, well, you don't have to worry about that because I've actually got someone, you know, who I really, really, really want. Um, and I, 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 like, I would... Everything fact, happens for a reason. Everything does happen for a reason. And I was, I would have been kicking myself now if I hadn't done this because she was, as I say, she was the best. I, like, I am so happy with all my cast. All my cast. Um, everybody that was, was in there was in there for a reason. Um, and they were there on, you know, on merit. And because I absolutely adored them in the casting sessions, you know, they all stood out. They were all people that I really, really wanted to work with as well. Um, you know, Deirdre, who played uh, Nancy, who's the wee sweet lady with dementia, as soon as she walked through the casting, casting doors, I broke my heart. You know, I'm just looking at God, I could see you just standing there, you know, you know, writing on a, 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 you know, a piece of paper. And I'm like, oh, look, she's writing. Oh, <laughs> she's the sweetest little old lady ever. Um, and is, is, I mean, is, that, is, that, is there a truism there in terms of sort of casting that you, that you can you can write as much as you want in terms of what you want a character to be, but if it walks in the door, as it were, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, your eyes don't lie, do they? In terms of what you've imagined, one hundred percent. Richard uh, Richard Addison, who plays Malcolm, was everything that I imagined. Everything that I imagined as soon as as soon as I seen Richard's showreel. Um, you know, I'd, I'd brought some other people in just, you know, to, to sort of see what they were like. Mm. But Richard was who I wanted right away. And then when I had him in the casting, you know, session, he was amazing and he was so much fun and he was just so excited about it as well mm. that, you know, it was, it was there. Everything was there. And it, it felt like, you know, because as I said, we went through that process where, you know, we had, we had people that we were going to cast and it all fell through. But these people who just walked through the door and they were perfect for everything that I wanted. It was like, you know, it was like it was meant to happen. And it felt like it, it felt like that. Um, and I know that sounds a bit cheesy and a bit corny, but it, it's genuinely the truth. No, no, uh, I, think, I think for someone who's, who's maybe more inexperienced than yourself, it's sort of, if, if you're going through this process now and you're not finding somebody, then it's the case if you've not found them. It's not because you're doing something wrong, you know, you... you it isn't just like it isn't. I mean, it's not to say it's like magic, but there is a sense of finding the right the right actor for the right part. If you if it's in your head, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can look at as many you know as many reels as you want, as many spotlight photographs. But yeah. people walk in a room and they carry themselves, don't they? One hundred percent. It was like um, uh, Miriam when she came in to, for um, for Miss Thompson. Like uh, mm-hmm. we had a couple of people would come in, and there was you know Peter, you know. Tyler and my my producers had like had like this other this other woman, but I was sold on Maz Miriam like right away. Mm-hmm. I loved her, and she was as I said, it was like she she wasn't what I imagined. She wasn't what I'd written down in the page. You know, I'd written for this like you know fifty five, you know Battle sixty axe. year old Balax, grey hair, you know big shoulders, and then I've got this you know really pretty, you know, young Iranian women, you know, stand, sitting in front of me and I'm sitting there just, you know, gobsmacked. She was yeah, perfect. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, she just carried this presence or she carried this, um, do you know what it was? She looked like a bitch. She looked <laughs> like a bitch. Um, and see, even when she, the way she played it in the, the casting sessions, I should put them up online because... She's perfect, yeah. absolutely perfect. Um, she's so sweet as well. Oh, she was, you know, she was like, she's like so funny. She's yeah. so so funny and so so nice as well. She's just 
as I say, she can just turn turn round, throw you know, throw the brow, and she just looks mental. It's brilliant. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Can also, can also point out um, one, one of the things with the writing of this, when we were writing this, we were doing the score as well. I, I don't know if you know that Tyler scored the film. Oh, I don't know. No, Ty, yeah. Ty, Tyler wrote all but four tracks in the film. Okay. Um, it was just, it, it, music paid, played such a, a massive part in making this film, you know, from you know, all the background tracks to everything else. And these were things that, you know, I say we were writing, I was saying, you know, do something that's a bit, it's a bit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that then as part of the conversation. So now it was great, great to go through all that with John, because obviously he tells me partway through that you were friends, as it were, who then sort of became filmmakers together, i.e. you were in his short films, Tyler. Um, now, I've done, I've done a similar thing. A friend of mine who I used to go, I used to do a Liverpool podcast down here in London and one of the guys that came along was an actor who wanted to get back on the horse as it were he'd not done it for a while yeah yeah and we we, we, you know we knew each other and we used to do the podcast most weeks and I was talking about short films I was writing and he was talking about wanting to get into acting back into acting sorry and I was talking about short films and neither of us would both of us were thinking it'd be great if he'd be in it and he'd go it'd be great if he asked me if I'd be in it yeah totally (laughs) and eventually I I just sort of you know we're having a beer after one show I said uh, and it was like a and this one that written was like just a one it was like a monologue it was a one guy thing you know ranting at the world and I said do you want to do you want to be in it yeah and he was like yeah and it was a bit like asking a girl out, you know, because obviously it's not. Totally, like, totally. And both of you were like thinking the same thing. You're like, is he thinking the same thing? Yeah, exactly. So do you, did you two go through that process of sort of being, you wanting to act, him being a filmmaker and the pair of you knowing each other, but not necessarily yeah. that first working together becomes a hurdle or something? Totally. It was, it was funny because like we did, we did notes and, um, and John and I worked together on a, a, a sketch comedy group together. Right. Um, and both of us really, really interested in, in, in making stuff with a bit more story to it rather than, um, uh, than just jokes. You know, we wanted to take people on a, a, a you know, a little journey. Cause if you, if you care about the characters, if you can, if you can laugh with the characters, you can cry with them mm. and, and vice versa. If you can cry with a character, you can laugh with them. Um, and so we, uh, when we did notes, it was, it was that where I was like, oh, cool. I'm doing a short film. Like I, I just kind of graduated. I didn't really have much film experience. I didn't really know what I was doing in front of a camera, to be honest. Um, and, and then John was like, oh, I'm going to make some more, some more stuff. And I was kind of going, oh man, I really hope he casts me again. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then John would phone me up with the ideas and he would go, you know, I've got an idea for, you know, a dark comedy. Here's this. What do you, you know, what do you think of this? And you would, you would go to other people as well and say, you know, working with, with different people, pooling, pooling everybody else's, um, experience and, and ideas, um, and building up these great stories. Cause John, I, I love the way John writes stories. I really do. Hmm. Um, he has a really nice through line and a really creative way of telling a lot of the stories. Um, I don't know if you saw the, um, the short films. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Right, so we'll need, we'll, we'll need to send you those, cause, cause they're all really different, but they're all very John. Hmm. Um, like, um, notes, cause when he went out to, to start doing this, John basically said, I'm gonna make three comedies. 
a dark comedy, a romantic comedy, and a buddy comedy. Right. Um, and, and we did those and we, we had loads of fun, like kind of talking through those. Cause like I've been with John throughout all of these. I'm not a writer. I, 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 I can't write to save my life. I can, I can tweak dialogue. I can, you know, tell you what a character is going to do. I can tell you if you're, if you're making the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but John's a story guy, but he'll, he'll phone me up and rant about these, uh, these ideas. I'll get a phone call at two in the morning and go, Tyler. I've got, an, I've got another idea. I've got another idea. <laughs> I need to just tell you just so I've said it. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. It was never work. Mm. I mean, it was. We worked really hard, but it was never work. Um, I mean, that was the great thing about shooting... You know, we shot the feature in 16 days, mm. and every day I was going to work with my best friend. Mm. Like, it was totally awesome. And then we would go home, we would have dinner, we would talk about the scenes for the next day, um, and then I would um, I would let John, me and John would go away and he would talk shots, and I would basically just let him talk the shots out loud because I knew he needed to, to get through it in his own head. Mm. Um, and then if I had any suggestions, I'd go, what about this? Or what, or ask him, what are you thinking about this scene? What are your setups that you want tomorrow? Um, and then we'd go and we'd, and we'd do it. And as well, it was one of those things where John and I have worked together enough times now that, um, I think hopefully John doesn't really have to worry about, you know, he, he doesn't feel tense with directing me because he can, we have a bit of a shorthand where he, he just pops out from behind the monitor and gives me a thumbs up or a thumbs down pretty much. <laughs> Or, or he'll, he'll, he'll pop out and just go, a little bit less. A little bit less, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but the thing is, and, 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 I, 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 I think, think by the implications of what he was saying earlier about, um, you know, every, every actor's going to think you need to have a relationship with a director. Well, it, in some sense, there's a, tr- there's a truth to that. Not, not to say that it's a given, because obviously he then went on to explain how he cast the leading lady in the movie. So it's yeah, totally. like, it's, it's, totally. it's, it's, there's, there's, there's yin and yang to this. But obviously, the... People do like to work with people they like to work with, and that's both yeah. the actor and the director. So there's 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 certainly a method in the madness of being being pally with people and, and getting on with them because that's going to make for hopefully for a good film set, isn't it? Totally. Well, I've I've got a friend who who turned around and said to me recently, he's like, I cast I cast first of all. So the the rank is, do I like them? Um, like, do I do I get on with them? Then how talented are they? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I guess it's. I mean, there's there's a lot of cabin fever to be had on a film set, isn't there? You know, well, you're all you're, you're all close to each other. You're all really close, and you. I mean, one thing that I learned from doing this feature film is it's a lot of problem solving, and and everybody. I mean, I I think I was probably a, a bit more. I mean, obviously, I was a bit more invested. It was it was my you know my my company too, where we're we want to tell this story as best we can, and so you get to problems on the day. And I'm running around going, right, how can I help? How can I move stuff? Um, and I I personally, me being totally honest, um, think that actors should be more helpful. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the industry – the industry caters for actors on professional sets very, very well. Um, and in some cases, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, a, that might be an unpopular opinion for other actors, but – I always want to help. Um, 
with, with when you're working with a crew, they're they're gonna be there before you get on set, and they're gonna leave after you leave. They they're working twelve hour days. They're they're going and going and going. When you're sitting napping in your trailer, they're setting up for the next shot. They're you know they're they're going to only get half an hour for their lunch so that they can get back for another setup. It was it was hard going, but also because of the environment that I think hopefully that we created. It was a nice sort of problem solving. It wasn't, you know, I don't think anybody was too distressed. I have to, I have to ask before we go: is is your accent isn't obviously the same as John's accent? Where, yeah. where are you? Where are you, Where's that coming from? Uh, I'm from Alaska originally. Okay. Um, born and raised in Alaska. I've, I've probably got a little bit of a, a twang now because uh, I've lived in Scotland for eight years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, born and raised in Alaska and, um, came over to study here. One of the reasons I came over was because of accents. <laughs> really? The, yeah, yeah. I've always really, um, I've, I've always wanted to do kind of voiceover for cartoon and video games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one of the first big acting things I did was a 10 minute monologue called Dirk the Angry Scotsman, which would probably <laughs> be borderline offensive now if I did it. <laughs> Now you said you said that I, I just thought, I had to ask because I thought maybe people would be listening going he doesn't sound like John yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> um, tell it you, you said you said something before that I thought was really interesting and I think that for some for some for some filmmakers maybe writers and directors might find a challenge you were saying you, you you're you're not a, you said you're not a writer in a million years but you can tell someone what a character is is or is not going to do yeah. in terms of what's on the page or what's expected from what's on the page. Do you want to talk a bit about how you use that in the context of this film or even how you, you, you use it full stop? Well, I mean, for me, if I get a script, I'm, I'm going to look at all the details in this script. I mean, it's kind of basic drama school sort of, <clears throat> sort of stuff mm -hmm. where they say, what, what do people say about your character? What does your character say about themselves? Um, what are, what are the facts in this and what is opinions? And you, you learn as an actor to, to have a sort of shorthand of being like, right, these are the big bullet points for me. This is what tell, for me tells the story. Um, and then you, you work with that and as well, I do music and music is a lot about storytelling. Um, and, and with working on the film, it was all about, getting these moments right with the music and with the tone. So there were scenes where I was acting, where I, I'm in my head kind of had an idea for the musical tone. And for me, sometimes, sometimes music can, can make a stronger performance than, than the acting itself. Mm. Um, it's the reason I absolutely hated no country for old men. <laughs> um, only because I got to the end and was like, there was no music. There was not a single piece of music in that whole thing, and it was really unnerving. And the, there is there is a lot of merit with that, mm. and the performances are stellar in that film, like absolutely. But for me, and and this might be my own neuroses, and because I because I like music so much that I want that I want that journey. Um, and it's the same with a script, where you have your structure and you have your your ups and downs and your moments and you. you this is another thing that me and John talk about is a script. If you're, if you're watching a movie mm -hmm. and this story, the story is being told, it should be in, in essence, the most important time in somebody's life. Um, 
or at least a very, very important part in somebody's life. Because that's why we want to watch it. We, we want things that are slightly out of the ordinary or slightly askew. Um, and with this, it was a romantic story. It was, it was a guy who's lost in his 20s, doesn't know what he's doing. He's got himself into a situation where he, he is just utterly lost and he doesn't know how to fix it. Um, and this romantic catalyst uh, shows up in the form of a pretty nurse and he goes, why, why am I here? What am I actually doing here? I need, where, where am I going? Where am mm. I going in my life? And, um, and then taking that and moving, moving that. But how, how do you, having those opinions about your character, mm. how do you, how, I mean, obviously you're, you're the, it, with you, with you having the close relationship with John, I guess you've got shorthand even for that. But yeah. how, how do you as an actor, do you think, avoid turning those opinions on what a character should and shouldn't do from turning into a threat to the person who's trying to direct you or the person that's written the script? How do you, how do you make that work, do you think? It's all, it's all about problem solving and it's all about just making suggestions because at the end of the day, and this is the thing that I, I believe in, in, in any job that I go into and it's regardless, even though John's my friend, John is the director. Mm -hmm. It's John's idea. This is not, this is not my idea and I can't impose any of my opinions or my thoughts. I can portray them and I can talk to John about them and go, but at the end of the day, it always needs to be in the form of a question, really. Okay, truly. It's, it's because I'm not telling him this is the way it is. I'm going, this is the way I see it. Is this also how you see it? Um, and for me, that's the most helpful way of going about things because often the director has a much clearer view of, of, of what story he wants to tell. Mm. Um, because actor, as an actor, sometimes it is hard to remove yourself from that character's situation and look at the broader picture of what needs to be told. No, no, no. I mean, I must admit, I've, I've, I've recently been doing some actors' workshops, mm. and from a writing point of view, I've found it fascinating because I bring a scene to the table. Yeah. And then they forens. I'm thinking, just read the lines, <laughs> so I can hear them. That's all I'm thinking. Because all totally. And they're going, no, I think this about the character. No, no, not even that. No, they then start asking me yeah. lots of forensic questions, which are very good questions. Uh huh. Because they need to know why they're saying the lines. It's not just totally. it's not just the case of these lines need saying. It's like why am I saying them? Absolutely, absolutely, and that brings a different a, a different aspect to it. That, like you said, as a writer, maybe you're not you, you probably will have thought about, but not in such severe detail. Because <laughs> some well, actors can be clinical. But but the thing is, I noticed that from a from a <laughs> if, if it shared the same scene with another writer. They would just look at the construction of the scene and whether it flowed, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and then we're out. Yeah. And it, ended on a good point, either an up or a down, or at least with questions or something. Whereas an, an, act, an actor just, it was really interesting. It was almost like getting the scene forensically operated on, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Examined, as opposed to just simply, did it logically work? Well, and that's why I think it's nice. I, I, I really enjoy me and John's working relationship because John will send me, you know, 90% of the time I'll be sitting there reading going, this is fantastic, this is great. And then a few times where I'll go, and it's not, it's not about... The story, it's more about making, making it either, making either the through line of the thoughts work more clearly, mm-hmm. or making the dialogue work more naturally. Okay. Um, because John will write down what he wants to come out, and then, and then we need to sort of go, right, this is actually too clear, and it's too labored, so we can do this in a more subtle way. Um, or, you know, or, or these are, these are the bullets that you want to hit. 
let's mix them up. Let's, let's, what if, what if the thought doesn't come all at once? Maybe it's a different kind of journey and we can play with that. Um, but as well, see, working with the actors, Alison Peebles, um, did, you know, had some ideas about, um, one specific monologue that really made it her own. Um, and it was really, really nice because we'd, I mean, almost everything was still in place. It was just a couple little details and they were just really nice light brush strokes that came from her and made the, the portrayal and the characters so much more natural. Um, and, and that was really, really lovely for me anyways. Well, when, when you was doing the, um, doing the short films, I imagine it was a lot of fun and there's not a lot, you know, yeah. relatively speaking, there's not a lot riding on a short film. You're probably talking Ooh. two, three days shoots yeah. and everyone can, you know, uh, contribute and help make it happen. But then when John turns around to you and say, look, I want to do a feature film and you're going to be my leading man. That's a whole different challenge, isn't it? Because that's, 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 that's carrying a film and you know, you've, you, you, you've, you haven't got celebrity to carry you through. It's just literally what you're going to bring to the screen in this movie. So how, what was your initial reaction to that was to that suggestion? And then how did you sort of build the confidence to take it on? Well, first of all, I was like, I need to up my game here. <laughs> I was like, I need to, okay, I need to step this up and I need to know this script. And, and I was, I was really, really lucky that my first feature film was something that I, I got to be such a big part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I got to have a say, like, you know, about, about the characters' journeys and all these things. Um, and as well with the music, I wrote a nine minute piece of music for, um, for the opening and, yeah. and that for me, had a lot to do with um, with the journey and, and it really actually helped me with my performance that I knew kind of what sort of tone. I think I talked about this earlier. Having oh, I see, I see. I know what you're saying now. Yeah. In, in the back of my mind kind of going, right, this is the rhythm. Even, I mean, see, even in the dance scene, because I knew what was going to be on in the background, I, mm-hmm. knew, I knew kind of what rhythm to bob to. <laughs> If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. I've learned in the past, you know, over the past four short films, how to act in front of a camera. Um, and, And this was just the biggest step. This was the natural progression for us to to go we were building towards making a feature film mm-hmm. um, and had no idea I was going to be the lead. Um, and it was, it was kind of tricky, but as well, one thing that was really nice for me was John, John trusted in my ability. And, and like I said, we have a good working relationship where as well, I think because we're friends, he can be brutally honest with me. Um, he doesn't need to sugarcoat it. Right. So if, you know, I think there was one day where I was, where I was a bit off and John and I were kind of like, <laughs> it was like, Tyler, Tyler, just calm down. I was like, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting this scene. I'm not getting it. He was like, just calm down. It's fine. It's fine. It's not even a big one. <laughs> it's like, um, so just, 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 just unpick that for me then. So when you, when you're kind of, when you're saying you're not getting a scene, what, what, what's happening there then? What are you, to be honest, that was, that was me trying, trying to get, uh, some physical comedy moment that genuinely didn't need it. Uh, Okay. Okay. It was me laboring, um, over a scene rather than just playing the scene. And this is, I mean, this is me coming from a theater background right now. I'm doing Panto. Um, 
<laughs> which is, you know, very, very different to film. Uh, <laughs> and, but it's the kind of stuff that I grew up doing. I grew up doing musicals because that was, that was what was happening when I was, when I was in high school. Those were the shows that, the, if you were going to do acting, you you did musicals, and then occasionally a couple of plays. I was going to say, so what? So what? You mentioned Alice in Peebles, and it seems it seems relevant given it was your first feature film as an actor. Then, what sort of lessons learned did you get from working alongside the pe- people like Alison? Well, it's funny because Alison was actually a judge um, when I was in in uni. She was a judge for the Duncan McRae Scots speaking competition, which is like Scots dialogue. Okay. where we had to do three different monologues in Scottish. And my goal doing this competition was just for them to think I was Scottish. <laughs> um, and fortunately, there was a, one of the judges came up to us afterwards and was like, um, it was like, oh, how'd you enjoy it? I was like, yeah, it was really cool. This was really funny. He goes, where are you from? I was like, Alaska. He was like, oh, I thought you were Scottish. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and so then, of course, we cast Allison. And, and I knew that I was going to be Scottish in the film, so I was, I was sufficiently bricking it. Um, in the lead up to it, um, but working with her was she was she was so lovely and really really giving and I I really like if I'm working with with actors working on a team there is a certain amount of camaraderie that you that you get when you talk about scenes and you kind of get that mutual excitement about a scene where you go right what do you think about this moment what do you think about this moment yeah. um, how how are we going to play this what's the rhythm and as well, a lot of it comes out in the first read because you hear you hear how they're playing it and 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 what sort of moments, especially if it's I don't know if it's a clashing of characters, if it's if it's camaraderie, if it's moments because there's moments where there's the four of us um, where you know anytime Nancy pipes up, uh, Joan Joan cuts her off, and then Malcolm's just this really lovely presence in the background, but he's adding so much just by being there. Mm. Um, it's it. I don't know. It was it was fun. I think I learned. I actually learned a lot doing clown that helped on film. Yeah. Um. Just about simplicity. Um. And I didn't. I didn't graduate from the. Uh, I went to the RSAMD um, uh, in Glasgow, and I didn't get enough film training uh, to learn how to relax my face in front of a camera. Um, and clown actually helped me do that because it's all about, it's, it's about not trying to be funny. It's about being honest, um, Mm. and earnest. And especially with this character, which was, he's just a nice, he's a genuinely nice guy. Um, he's, he's, he's grown up with, with his grandpa who is totally, you know, he's, he's a, he's a young kid who, who's from another generation basically. Um, he's very polite, he's very caring and he's very thoughtful. Um, and not to say that, that people of that generation aren't, um, because we are. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks for, uh, taking us through that. Can I get you both on now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just to talk um, about life after making the film, just very quickly. Yeah. So, um, the film, the film is now finished, obviously. Yep. And it's doing, um, is it on the festival circuit now? Yes, yeah. it is. Um, we, uh, we had a world premiere um, at the Comedy Cluj International Film Festival. No, Sydney. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. A, a world premiere was at the Sydney Indie Film Festival, sorry, uh, uh, in okay. Australia. Um, it, was, the, the, it was funny because it played pretty much 
three places within like a couple of days yeah. apart. One week. Um, so it screened at, uh, in Sydney, uh, and then uh, it screened in Romania in Cluj, which is in Transylvania, a comedy festival in Transylvania. Literally, the view from outside their hotel room was a cemetery. Brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it was cracking. You couldn't, you couldn't, um, you couldn't get better. And then the Orlando Film Festival. Um, and what was really nice was both my my future sisters in law were in Sydney. Um, so and they both worked on the film. One of them had um, worked in the costume department as my costume assistant, and the other one would come on board as like a, you know like a, an extra. Yeah. Um, so the two of them went out um, there for the. They were part. They were there for the world premiere. Um, and yeah, it, it went down really, really well. We got uh, eight nominations um, for awards, and we picked up um, best supporting female. That was Deirdre that won that for Nancy. Um, best best score and best film. Um, so I was pretty. I was pretty chuffed with best score. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> um, so we were we were totally we were absolutely delighted. Yeah. Um, you know, to, for our first first feature film at its first festival, we pick up its first awards. Yeah. And, you know that that kicked us off perfectly. Um, and then you know, a couple of days later, we're in Romania. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, screening in front of a Romanian audience, which went down really, really well. We're screening in the at the Anchorage International Film Festival on the twelfth of December as well, which I'm really happy about because that's my hometown. So that, I was going to say, so like life, life for the film next is what? So you carry on with the festivals. Yeah, so I mean, it's a first feature film, so there's there's certain elements. Um, so you, you know, you know yourself with the, the short films. You you make a short film, you put it in the festivals. It's got a two year lifespan. Picks up a couple of awards. You know, um, it does a couple of screenings, and then that's the life of it done. Yeah. Um, well, so we we understood that process with the feature film. It's we always sort of had to make sure that we were just boiling it back down to the, with the basic form. All we were doing is making a product to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the sort of part we're at just now, which is the distribution. You know, when it's something that we haven't ever done before, we've dealt with, we've had a couple of um, uh, offers. Of them. We've had a couple of offers. We've, we now know what a bad offer is. <laughs> um, we now know what a really bad offer is. <laughs> Um, uh, so is, it, is this from sales agents or distributors? Distributors. distributors we, we got we had, we had a guy get in touch with us, and it was the offer that they put up was absolutely mental. Um, it was yeah. It was, <laughs> so it's it just it's, it's things like that which is don't get us wrong. You know, you know, we're really scared about this part yeah. of it, but we're really excited as well. When we're you know, oh. we want to learn from it. We want to. One of the things about making your first feature film for for me, anyways, is is, is is making the mistakes. You know, it's something that we always said even on set, which is if anybody makes a mistake, anything, you know, is went wrong, just tell us. Mm-hmm. Because the quicker we know about the mistake, you know, the quicker we can rectify it, or the quicker we can all learn from it. But then at the same time, we've, 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 now the film has been in our hands for the past year. <laughs> because there was, you know, we had a great, great team. But then uh, for the past year, me and John have been kind of step by step with with this edit and and working on post and post production is hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Post production is hard. I love like it's it, it, as well. We're constantly sitting there going, "How do we need more money? <laughs> How do we need more money?" Like we're finished. I thought we, we 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 shot it already. We like <laughs> so. Those you know we are we're constantly learning, and this is as I say, it's an exciting time for us. Um, you know, we're just we will, we're hoping to make our, our UK premiere next year. 
um, and see what UK audiences feel about yeah. it. And that's that's the really scary part, you know. Have you, have you got dates in the diary then for for festivals? Is that is that waiting to see? Waiting we're, to see. we're waiting to see, um, you know, what happens um, okay. with, with with the the UK premiere. Yeah. It's, um, we've got it. We just can't see anything about it at the That's moment. That's fine. No, I understand completely. Um, so, so obviously, the the the, the sort of the, the night in in Shannon Armour is some sort of decent distribution offer for the film so you can get it to wider audiences yeah yeah totally so but of course you know that's that's the the awesome thing about the festivals is so for example the, the american festivals have been dead kind of so yeah. so so far this is we'll have our um we've got yeah we've had orlando um where we've got anchorage and we've got another one coming up which uh is we can't we can't say anything about but they've been in touch already and you know ask about our distribution status mm. um because they want a, you know, put it towards their They've got sales agents that go, um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll, even just to, to meet some people and talk about it. I mean, this is so new for us. I was going to say, I mean, that's, the, I think something I made a note of when you were talking about meeting your, your sort of leading lady and things is that there's a huge benefit to festivals because festivals, on the one hand, are full of other filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sort of, I guess, the more respect as you go up the table, it doesn't just have to mean, it doesn't have to be Oscar qualifying stuff, but as you go up in prestige, then uh, you get more industry people coming yeah. who, are, who are looking for content. Yeah. And you can meet these people. It doesn't mean that you'll make a sale, but yeah. it just means that you'll make contact with people. And for future films, that's, that could be invaluable. And that's Absolutely. what being at a festival is all about, isn't it? What's wonderful is being able to, to learn from other people, as, you know, as, as you're saying, and, mm. and even just sitting talking to a distributor and finding out you know, just the process, like, with this, this this was all self-funded. We never got any government grants. We never got any, um, you know, the, the funding was, you know, through crowdfunding and private investment, and I was just throwing cash at it. Yeah. But, you know, what we want, you know, take going forward is, you know, the next step for us is to try and go through that development funding and trying to, you know, to, to you know, get a, a studio involved or, a, a you know, a company involved or, you know, a production company sort of involved and to, to hear about, you know, other people's experiences with it or just to, you know, hear from, you know, other producers, you know, bigger execs and things, you know, who talk about these processes and tell you about it. You know, I'm not shy about asking things because I, I, I'm here to learn, you know. I, 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 yeah, I, we, we One thing about us is we don't know, we don't know everything, yeah. you know. We hardly know anything. <laughs> um, so, but I, th- but I think that's a strength in, in, for, for any filmmaker, is because I don't think any nobody knows everything. So no. why pretend to know everything? Exactly, exactly. Don't get bigger than your boots. If if <laughs> and don't be and don't be afraid to ask the questions. I think because I, I always said when I was at drama school, the day I stop learning is the day I die. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And and that, that I think there's something. It's that creative joy when you're making a film like this, where. You know, we've, I mean, we've said so many times about problem solving, but it, it's, it's, it's fun to do that. That, like, was, that was my favorite part. Like, um, what I had mentioned about my, my first, my first was brilliant and shielding me from problems. In fact, my, oh, my first and my producers are saying to me, once the film's sold, they're going to produce a dossier of things that I don't know that yeah. happened. There's, there's uh, a few things that John does not know about because it would have just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> They totally shielded me from from all these sort of problems. Um, <laughs> over over Stuart's radio one day, he just hears like crackle, panic, pra- crackle, crying, and John goes, "What was that?" He goes, "Nothing." 
Nothing slowly backs away out of the room. Comes back about five minutes later. Was like, what was that? He's like, nothing. It's fine. It's sorted. Let's go. Turn over. So when um, when when problems arose, you know, it was it was it was there was all this adrenaline rushing through us, and we'd be like, right, let's well, okay. So we can't do this. We can't do that. Let's do. Let's try. What about this? And what about this? Can we do this? Oh, that'll work. That'll work. You know, and we'll you know sort of like for five minutes batter these ideas. Like as I was saying earlier. You know, with our head around the table, just sort of uh-huh. throwing things about. But of course, we're doing this on set, you yeah. know, really, really quickly. should also say Grant McPhee and, and, uh, and Stephen Cook were awesome with, with a lot of the problem solving. That was That's our, our DOP and our camera operator. They oh, were brilliant. One thing that if I, if, I, if I can ever give, like, advice out, you know, as I say... Oh, I, give, I, us, I, give us your advice, John, please. To begin with, I would get, you know, a really good first and a really good DP. Yeah. I know that, you know, that's, you know, a given... But if you've got these guys who have got a bit of experience and a bit of know-how, mm-hmm. it just makes your life so much easier. Yeah. You know, I, I'll turn around. Grant was amazing, my DP, in, in that way, where he was, he was 100% there just to support me and, you know, just show this film off and do this film in the best way possible. So when I'd be doing my blockings and then sort of doing, you know, a, a show and tell with the crew, um, I'd say, you know, uh, I'll take this, you know, I'll shoot it from over here, and then I'd look over at Grant, and he'd point, you know, just just leave it further right, and you go, I'd shoot it over from over here. Um, you know, it, it's the thing, it's little things like that, you know, whose guys have got an eye for these kind of things, who are just going to, as I say, support and bolster you. Um, and as I said, for this whole thing, it was a whole team effort. Um, but these two guys, as, as well as... Uh, both my producers, you know, Andrew and Lauren, were just, you know, if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have made this project. I wouldn't yeah. have got this film made. Um, well, look on that on that positive note, um, I'll uh, we'll conclude this podcast because I think we've covered a hell of a lot of ground. I thank you very much for your time. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.